Uh. <laughs> get together, have a few laughs. Uh oh, shit, lady, do I sound like I'm ordering a pizza? Lady, put the freaking gun down on the ground right now. Take your side across the freaking street and say that Dolly's gonna get you. Hello, and welcome to Where There's a Willis, There's a Way, a film podcast about the multitude of works by Bruce Willis. My name is Josh Carter. And I'm Kendrick Martin. Today we'll be covering. The year 2000's Unbreakable, directed and written by M. Night Shyamalan. I think this is actually our last 2000 movie. We had like five this year, I believe. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, what we do here is an in-depth breakdown of a movie starring Bruce Willis, both from a film perspective and his individual contribution. We add the movie to our rankings, we talk trivia, and then we whisk the wheel of Willis. Joining us this week... From the 15 Minutes of Marvel podcast and the 24 Minutes of A24 is Ethan Simi. Hello. What is up, guys? Thanks for having me on the pot. This is very exciting because uh, I will just say Bruce Willis, not really my guy. So I'm very uh, thankful that you guys pushed me to watch watch something that I should have watched a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the beauty of Bruce Willis, though. I feel like he's everyone's guy. <laughs> right. So, exactly. Yeah. Welcome to the fold. Welcome to the fold. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. He's definitely not like uh, probably your go-to guy, but I think once you start thinking about him, you're like, wow, he is, he should be my guy. Yeah, yeah he should be. <laughs> uh, the more I read about him, the more I'm like, wow, this guy, what a, what a legend. This guy. Um, uh, I think really we haven't recorded an episode in a little while, but uh, the, the Bruce, Will- Bruce Willis health news has dropped um, partially since the last time we recorded. And we did a tribute episode over on the Action Heroes Network. Um, All the different podcasts there got together and talked about their favorite Bruce Willis works um, and kind of like celebrated him as he kind of announced his retirement. And um, his family on Instagram has been posting all these like extremely sweet kind of moving things about uh, his life and like people kind of promoting like commemorative art and stuff. It's been really nice and moving. I don't, expect unless somehow there's like a medical breakthrough i don't think we're ever going to get him like making some sort of public statement like visually but um it is nice to kind of see uh to see all this stuff agreed agreed and like a lot of you got to see a lot of uh really heartfelt things coming out too like we'll get to it later when we talk about cop out but there's like new info on the is it Kevin Smith? Is that the director of Cop Out? Blanking on the name. I think that it is. But yeah, he like did a, a bit where he was talking about how he feels bad kind of about the stuff that happened on the set for that. And it, there's other stuff, too, where different people have been writing different tributes and stuff like that. So it'll be nice to get to those when we get to those movies that are relevant for those things. But yeah, it's a it's a lot, a lot for the guy. And we're we're feeling for him and everything. And definitely glad that he's got a good support network around him. Yeah, totally. All right. Um, so you can find it if you are interested in uh, listening to the rest of our Bruce Willis coverage. And really, I mean, you should be because everyone needs uh, that Bruce Willis in their life. And how are you going to be able to accept Bruce Willis if you haven't listened to us talk about every single one of his movies? Mm-hmm. You can't. You can't do it. 
um, you, you can go over. You accept him into your heart, and the only way to do that is to learn about him. <laughs> it's true. Um, and in order to figure out the 10 steps of accepting Bruce Willis in your heart, you can listen to our previous episodes over at WillisWayPod.com. You can then find other podcasts in the Last of the Action Heroes podcast network over at LastoftheActionHeroes.com. Please remember to rate and review us on iTunes as well as Spotify on the app, not on the website. And then uh, tell your friends and your friends' friends about Bruce because everybody loves him and they should all uh, hear the good news. The good Bruce. The good, the good Bruce news. The um, good Bruce news. We're going to be talking about Unbreakable today, which has probably been one of the movies I've looked forward to the most of his works. Uh, And I think neither of you had seen this movie before watching it for this podcast. Is that right? Yeah, that is correct. I am very excited. But can I tell you you an interesting thing, though? Uh, So I have not seen Unbreakable, but I have seen the third movie in this uh technical trilogy uh is that correct so i've seen i've seen glass i think it goes unbreakable split and then glass is that correct yes uh yeah so i saw glass in the theater had no fucking clue what was going on because i had never seen any of the other two movies you didn't see split or glass or or unbreakable but you just were like Sure, why not? Let's go see Glass. Yeah, I was. I don't know what got me in the theater, but I was like, sure, let's go see Glass. And then I, re- I distinctly remember, I must have seen it with my brother or something afterwards, and he was like, yeah, this is based on a prior movie called Unbreakable from like 18 years ago. And I'm like, oh, wow, cool. Like, I no clue. So I have a very distinct, wow. interesting take on Unbreakable, to say the least. <laughs> wow. Uh, well, one of the reasons I thought you would be a great guest for this is because you are much more connected to the comic books than myself. I can't speak for Josh, but um, I don't, I like am tangentially connected to like Marvel things, but I don't follow it super closely. Sure. But this movie is a movie about comic books and comic book stories. And it predates, uh, you know, the Spider-Man movies, mm-hmm. the Nolan Batman movies, um, obviously all the MCU and completely standalone and has like a lot of interesting stuff to talk about comic book movies in general Mm -hmm. so with all that said we are going to rate this movie now we always rank the we always rate these movies up front to give you an idea if we think this movie is worth watching uh not every bruce willis movie is worth watching unfortunately but we want to let you know right now if we think this movie is worth watching and so we went into the lab, the Bruce lab, and we came out with this rated system. And lab we, noises. We, we turned on our Benson burners, our, our uh, I don't know, what else is in a lab? Our beakers um, and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. We, we broke out the beakers. Uh, we had like we came up with Willis in the background. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We realized that uh, there's no way other to rate something than to just use the name of the thing you're rating. Uh, so we're going to rate a movie of Bruce Willis out of a Bruce Willis. Now, this is if this is your first time listening, the way this works is the more of a Bruce Willis we give something, the better it is. I feel like that's pretty self-explanatory. Uh, the only thing is to say that if it ranks over a Bruce, we think it's worth watching. If we think it's less than a Bruce, just don't even bother watching. Listen to us describe it for you. On the rare occasion 
uh, we break out Bruce Willis's first name, Walter, it's definitely not worth watching. And you should probably send us money because we suffered for you. <laughs> you put in the work. Yeah. So, uh, Ethan, this is your first time. And probably you're, you're not only an unbreakable virgin, which sounded weirder <laughs> after I said it out loud, but uh, this is your first time rating a movie of Bruce Willis out of Bruce Willis. What would you rate this movie? Yeah, this is true. So uh, before we start recording, I asked you guys how how I need to do this because I feel like it's uh, partially nonsensical and uh, partially makes perfect sense uh, exactly how you should rate a movie. So I looked at, at, at prior ratings that you guys have done and, uh, you know, starts making some sense once you kind of kind of look at it. But I don't I feel bad. I guess I, I guess this is a long way of me saying, like, I feel bad because I'm coming into this. And I'm going to be the first person to rate this, and it's less than a Bruce. And oh, wow. um, and I, and that just comes from a very, like I said, a distinct, distinct perspective because I am so heavily into the MCU and like comic book stories and like everything about that world has happened to me before I've seen this like non-attached, non-Marvel, non-DC hero quote-unquote like comic book story that has come out right and this was far beyond its time and well i'm sure we'll talk about that and kind of like the tones and themes of all that uh some things i think are really cool but some things um are just like not not up to snuff for me so it is a a brew is that how i say a bru can i can i rate that um yeah so it's yeah, a, bre- rate it a brew it's a brew right. out a of brew. bruce willis and uh i'm gonna stick to it i thought about it and i was like i feel like i'm being too harsh but i'm gonna stick to it and, and we'll talk through it we'll get through it together that's exciting. It's exciting. <laughs> uh, Josh, what about you? Um, I I did have some problems with this movie, um, and we'll get to those. But I think that Bruce Willis does a really great performance in it, and M. Night's directing is, um, once again, just superb. He is, at this era in particular, he is just incredible. Like, his use of the camera movement and how many long unbroken shots there are in the movie about um, pew, pew, pew. what it's about is good one, Josh. Great. <laughs> um, it's just tremendous. So I am, I, I really liked it. I do think that the ending is something we're going to get to later. Um, I would describe it as a little womp womp. Um, not like a crescendo moment. It's a, a bit of a bummer. Um, and I think that if it had a better ending, I would rate it even higher. But as it stands, I think I'm going to give it a Bruce Will 1L. Uh, I'm actually Bruce Will 2Ls. I'll give it 2Ls. I was actually going to rate it the same thing. Bruce Will with 1L. Um, like I said, I have a little more baggage with this movie. I saw it um, 22 years ago. And several scenes have stuck with me really strongly. I, when I was rewatching it, I was like, oh, I have very vivid memories of this exact scene happening. Um, and so that, uh, you know, colors my opinion. But I still think this movie holds up really well. And probably one of my favorite M. Night movies. Um, I don't know where I would rank them. I'd have to think about it. But definitely, definitely up there. And like... Uh, the use of color is really good. Samuel Jackson's performance is really good. Um, all kinds of stuff. Great to talk about. I do think the ending uh, was a letdown. And there's some other stuff that I didn't really like. So we'll get into that when we talk about this movie. 
I think that I think you bring you both bring very interesting points. If I can just say quickly, because um, you mentioned like especially you, Josh. You said like M Night during this era is like very pretty impeccable. Like you you talk about he does the Sixth Sense in '99, and then he goes on and does this in 2000. Signs in '02 and the Village in '04. Like that's four heaters all in a row. But we remember them as heaters, and they really did define and shape like what M Night was capable of creating on screen still a pretty womp womp ending which is like we've all known m night to do that for 20 years now which is kind of a bummer like that's kind of like in his heyday it still didn't didn't pan out exactly uh the way we would have wanted or 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 the potential reached the potential it could have reached uh and i'm I'm very excited to talk about that because i think he has an exceptionally interesting filmography if you talk about like director's filmography over 20 years, crazy stuff. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Kendrick, you had talked a little bit about wanting to do some spoiler free talk. Do you think that we've given people enough uh, spoiler free talk or do we want to jibber and jabber around the spoilers a little bit more? Uh, I think I have a little bit more to say about without getting into spoilers. Um, Sounds good. I, I think, uh, you can talk about the premise of this movie a little bit more without spoiling it. So I think we can do that. Um, but yeah, great. this movie definitely as pretty much every M night movie, there's some twists and turns um, that I think in my opinion, I'm always, I'm always of the opinion, go in as blind as possible, watch as little as possible, just enjoy the movie fresh. But uh, you could definitely uh, get, get some of that opinion up front before we do that. I want to give a quick plug for uh, if you have a question for this podcast, you can email us willisweepod at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. That's the other thing at willisweepod. The Facebook page is last of the action here is podcast network, which I haven't looked at recently to see uh, what's been going on over there. But I know that the, uh, action hero boys are churning out some new rocky content and they uh have been doing live streams in our discord so we have a discord if you want to join that i'll have the link in the show notes and they live stream their podcasts i believe every friday night i don't know if that's scheduled or uh just coincidental but uh been breaking down the different rocky movies over there would it would it be sacrilegious, real quick, to say I've never seen a Rocky movie? Oh, uh, I wouldn't harm you, but uh, <laughs> others might. They might. They might come extract some Rocky tax. Um, <laughs> some Rocky tax. Yeah, that, that's actually a good question. What are your feelings on action hero movies in general? My feelings. Yeah, your feelings. Either. Um. Yeah, I mean, you you talk about Rocky. Like, I think Rocky is a really interesting perspective, right? Because you have. 1980s ish right when when rocky starts coming out and then you have some pretty legendary movies and then the ip takes a huge dip and then you get jordan peele to start directing some you get uh michael b jordan to start directing like creed two and three and all of these things so like this next big era um but i think action hero movies i've been trying to do my due diligence watching more of them like more of the old stuff that uh was made like before i was born right so um i i just watched uh speed the other day i feel like i could technically toss speed in this right and keanu Reeves being this kind of action mm-hmm. hero mm-hmm. um things like that and it's just in a it's just a different era 
of like filmmaking. It's a different era of cinema and movies and um, the ability to have like a, a single or a standalone um, action hero, like you mentioned, I think um, was a lot easier back then than it is now when everything has to be tied to an IP or a franchise or a second installment. Um, so I think pros and cons, but um, I've, I've really enjoyed what I've seen so far. And like I said, I mean, I'm an MCU glutton, so anything MCU, I will just overindulge to the max. <laughs> I think, uh, I think like traditional action hero movies are kind of dying off a lot for because of what you said of like needing the tie into an IP, or mm-hmm. um, we don't have as many action hero stars as we as they exist. And the few times we do have action movie action, uh, yeah, action movies is when they like reboot reboot a franchise so like the terminator movies sure. are always getting rebooted um they're two like, amazing results each time yeah yeah <laughs> uh so it is interesting to kind of see it as like i think i think there's several movie genres that really don't exist anymore um in the traditional sense like the erotic thriller is another one i was thinking about is it's uh, dead man deep water was our new erotic thriller and it has yeah. failed us all and i could not be more upset that uh, that's what brought that to mind. Is I was like, oh, we don't have erotic thrillers anymore until Deep Water, mm-hmm. and wow, I see now why we don't have erotic <laughs> thrillers anymore. Dude, it's it's um, so disappointing because even on streaming, we can't make a good erotic thriller. Even from yeah. one of the masters of erotic thrillers who made Eyes Wide Shut, we can't make erotic thrillers now. I don't get it. Yeah. Uh. Um. One of the interesting things about Bruce Willis, though, and it's it's almost strange that he's in that. We're, you know, we team up with these, these action hero network guys is while he's known for being an action hero and Josh and I have talked about this a lot, rewatching his movies. Most of his best work is not him being an action hero. Mm. Like he's known for, for Die Hard. He's known for Armageddon, but there are so many other movies, um, color of night. He's in an erotic thriller, uh, or he's in like period pieces. He's in like, you know, um, comedies. He's in, in country, like a movie, a PTSD movie about Vietnam. Um, so many movies that aren't action hero movies. And yet he's kind of grouped in as like an action hero star because of where his trajectory went. Um, okay. Before we start talking about this movie, let's take a quick break. all right now we're gonna get into unbreakable hi you're in the emergency room in the philadelphia city hospital I'm ask you some questions. Where were you sitting on the train? Against the window. In the passenger car? Yes. You're certain you were in the passenger car? Yeah. Where are the other passengers? 
Your train derailed. Took a curve too fast. A second train collided with yours after it derailed. The debris spread over one mile. Why are you looking at me like that? There are two reasons why I'm looking at you like this. One, because it seems you aren't the only survivor of this train wreck. And two, you don't have a scratch on you. I know what's going through your mind right now. You're searching for meaning in all of this. No one thing. 131 people died so you could finally understand the destiny for which you were born. Are you ready for the truth? All right. That audio was from the trailer for Unbreakable. I'm going to go ahead and read the description from IMDb. A man learns something extraordinary about himself after a devastating accident. And you can find this movie on Amazon Prime as well as video on demand and in my DVD shelf. Wait, you had this movie on DVD and you had never seen it before? Yeah, I bought it for this podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wait, are you being serious? Yeah. <laughs> you bought physical media? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, nice. I have probably never seen like 30% of the movies I own, honestly. Nice. Because I, uh, I bought them and I was like, oh, dope. I'll watch these one day. And I've never watched yeah. them. <laughs> yep. Yeah. But I mean, but I don't know if you guys might be too young, but back in the days of Blockbuster, they would have loads of movies and then uh, like for the release. And then, you know, a week or two later, no one would be renting that movie. And so they just have a massive pile of like $2 DVDs. I bought a lot of DVDs from Blockbuster um, after they had been used for two weeks. Uh, quick side note, back, let's see, I think it'll be like two weeks from tomorrow. We had a big snowstorm here in Portland. And uh, by big snowstorm, for those of you not in <laughs> Portland, that was like, I think I had maybe eight inches of snow in, in my house and it melted by midday. Mm-hmm. Uh, my internet went out and didn't come back for a week. And I called the uh, ISP and I said, hey, my internet's out. And they're like, oh, it sucks. Uh, Here, have you tried turning it off and on again? And I'm like, yeah, many times, many times. (laughs) I've used the internet before. I've definitely tried turning it off and on again. They're like, okay, great. We'll have somebody come out on Wednesday. Wednesday rolled around. Nobody came. And I called them back and they're like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, I guess somebody can come out on Monday. And so long story short, I had a, a, a week of no internet. Uh, turns out you can't watch anything if you don't have the internet. So I was definitely digging into my physical DVD <laughs> collection. Like, what haven't I seen? Oh, this movie from 1999 is still in shrink wrap. Okay, that sounds good. Um, physical media never dies, man. Come on. Yeah. It's perfect. Never dies. As long as you have some sort of apparatus to play it on. Um, yep. True. That's the key. That's the key. I am surprised, though, Josh, you didn't buy it on uh virtual just because uh it's like my big problem with physical media is especially with dvds they get scratched yeah they get scratched so easily yeah and i actually don't even know if it works because i was like there with my remote 
And I was like, oh, it's on Amazon. I could just start that and I don't have to get up from the couch. Or I could go put in the DVD and maybe it doesn't work. I don't know. So, so wait, you bought it on DVD. Yes. But then you still watched it on yes. Amazon. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, yes. I had just canceled my Amazon Prime membership because I don't really use it that much. And um, so I just paid to rent it because I'm like, I want the 4K edition on iTunes or whatever. So that's what I did. Nice. Um, Eden, did you just watch it on Amazon Prime? Yeah. Yeah. I just went solid Amazon Prime. So I think you can watch like the regular version for free on Amazon Prime or you can rent the 4K for like $3.99 or something. And usually I'm like, oh, I'm going to go big. And this one I was like, no, we're just going for free. Like we're just, uh, that's probably fine. I don't think that the 4k up res really added anything. Like this movie is pretty dark and dreary. Yeah. Of, uh, visage of, uh, Philadelphia. And actually I think there's also a way to watch it with ads. If I'm not mistaken somewhere, hmm. if you're really want to go low qual, um, all right, well enough about how we watch this movie. Um, <laughs> We, so we've kind of talked a little bit about the fact that this movie has um, some twists and turns. So what we typically do on this podcast when a movie has what we think is something to, to be spoiled is we give a few minutes of brief thoughts and then we some sort of de- we delineate it and we say, all right, we're going full spoilers. So before we go full spoilers, um. Let's give our, let's just, yeah, let's just give our quick thoughts. Uh, Josh, why don't you start? What, run down like some of the stuff you like, some of the stuff you didn't like. Yeah. Um, I, I liked that it was a superhero movie that focused a lot more on the personal struggle that the hero was going through. It kind of reminded me, I think that the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies also do a good job with this. And like the, um, I've only seen the first Superman movie, but the first Superman movie with uh, Christopher Reeve also kind of goes into that. But a lot of times it's like the super person just gets their powers and they're like, great, I've got powers. And they're like, they, they figure everything out and they've, they've got everything all locked down. And I like that this movie showed a lot more of the personal struggle for um, the main character, um, David Dunn. And so I liked that. I really, like I said earlier, I love the filmmaking aspect of this movie. Um, M night Shyamalan's just tremendous. And it's crazy that he can write dialogue that isn't like bad or anything and direct really well. Cause you'll see like writer directors sometimes and their big thing is writing or their big thing is directing. Like Edgar Wright is a pretty good example where like he's a, I think a much better director than he is a writer. If I'm, if I'm being real, um, wasn't super, super impressed with baby drivers writing. Um, but his directing was great. So it's just super impressive that M Knight's able to do everything well. Um, although I do think that he kind of struggles a little bit in this movie and, um, there's moments where the characters kind of get lost a little bit amid the plot. And it's like the plot is, I think that he sometimes, thinks that it's a little bit more grandiose than it needed to be and i'm so fine seeing a personal journey and then it would get kind of big and then go back down it's like no just just do the character stuff just show us david's perspective um but yeah i i liked it i I thought that it was great um and then some of my negatives 
again with the ending, but we'll get to that later. Ethan, yeah. what about you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think so. I think I give this, I give this like three stars on my letterbox, which is is like not bad. It's not great. Uh, I think for me, like you said, uh, Josh, there's a lot of cool camera movements. I think there's a lot of good scenes where you can definitely see like ah, M Night, like he had a he had a vision and he he um acted on that and and made it happen specifically like the weights scene um and and kind of going up and down with the weights i thought was really cool that initial bus ride also very cool we kind of get this one bouncing back and forth using the seats as like blocks which is pretty sweet um so i think there's a lot of good things i do think that um i i think i'm with you josh you say like um you know a a personal journey i feel like um and and i'm trying not to spoil anything here so i'll elaborate later on as we go but i feel like this single movie could have been a trilogy in and of itself i know this is like part of a trilogy i get that but it felt like a lot of things were pushed and sped up when they um could have elaborated so much more and given us like way more background on this main character or on Mr. Glass or on um, all of the components that kind of come together. And I think that's why the ending doesn't feel like a huge payoff for me either is because we kind of like push this narrative along and push this story along without really investing in it. Um, I do think Bruce is good. I think Samuel L. Jackson's pretty good as well. And uh, I think the thing I like the most about the movie is the high concept. I don't, with the MCU, with DC, with superhero movies, as soon as you get Spider-Man, like an 02, 04 era, we're, we're directly tied to a character, we're directly tied to a comic run and an IP and everything about that. This is in no way tied directly to a comic. It is using themes and tones of comic books and heroes to tell a story, which is really cool from a high-level perspective. It's using that as a catalyst, and I think it does that in a really good fashion. There's no... I don't think there's really any other comic book movie quite like it, which I think is very unique for this film. Um, so I've talked a little bit about what I really liked about this movie. Uh, it's one of my favorite Samuel L. Jackson performances. Um, it's interesting that this movie follows up um, the sixth sense, which is directed by M. Night Shyamalan stars, Bruce Willis pairs him with a child actor. I did not enjoy the child actor in this Spencer treat Clark, I believe is his name. I thought compared to the sixth sense, it was just a kind of a lacking role. And um, a lot of this movie hinges on this uh, plot point that Bruce Willis's character, David Dunn is uh, trying to maintain family life. And he has a wife played by Robin Wright and then his son. And he wants to kind of maintain this, life but the the romance is kind of on the on the rocks and you, and you kind of like play this out throughout the movie um i never really believed that he was super interested in his family life like he seems um bruce willis talks a lot about how he he wakes up every morning feeling the sadness this weight um that throughout the movie you find because he's not kind of being this heroic character that maybe he's destined to be um, and I could, I feel that I feel the weight, the sadness of him not being like who he's supposed to be, but we're also supposed to see him like trying to reunite or like rekindle stuff with his wife. 
that that like the romance and the chemistry never felt like it was there for me so that was probably one of my biggest complaints and to and um um yeah this what's interesting is i don't think this movie could be made today because if you make a movie about comic books you have the weight of the last 20 years of comic book movies and this movie treats comic books as like a thing that our parents read Mm-hmm. Um, you see a lot of, I think, uh, there's a reference to like active comics, which is definitely like a play on action comics, the comics book superheroes from, or Superman's from, um, same font, same coloring, but it's called active comics or something like that. So it's, it's fake, but it's kind of playing on this like thirties and forties concept of superheroes and comic books. And, um, it makes the language very simple. We don't need to know about backstories and why, where powers come from and all this kind of stuff that um, a lot of the stories now have. And I think that if you were to try to retell this story today, you would have to incorporate a lot of that. So it is interesting how much, how lucky it was that it got, it was, it was when it was. Um, I also uh, couldn't find out exactly if Split in Glass were in M. Night Shyamalan's mind when he made this, or if he just wanted this to be a standalone and then later. So slight spoiler for Split, but Split definitely ties into Unbreakable. Like that wasn't an accident. And then Glass is the conclusion to this whole story. Um, So uh, this movie definitely ends in just like a well-wrapped up way that I don't think has any open questions. Uh, I don't know if that was the intent or not, but uh as with all these kind of stories you definitely have the space to you know have a mini series or have a, another movie come out about it um uh, okay anything else you guys want to talk about before we dive full spoilers can i can i say one thing real fast you said mini series sure. i think if you made this as a 10 episode mini series today way better than the movie no offense but way better than the movie i think you have a lot more time to spend with the characters you can build things a lot better you can crescendo and peak when you're supposed to uh gives you a lot more storytelling room um i think that would be an interesting concept and maybe how you get around this like marvel marvel vacation of things um but yeah interesting uh i am now ready for spoilers uh yeah i think you're right i I still think though that the like my biggest problem with this movie is the romance i felt the chemistry was so lacking Mm -hmm. and we're coming off sixth sense in which the romance plays a big uh, component to that movie um, and we see Bruce Willis his character definitely is a more invested in that relationship than he is in this one which uh, the movie starts with him like contemplating a divorce and I never really know what he wants like he's like <laughs> eh, I guess we could get divorced I can move to New York um, and it's just very strange because same actor same director writer um, and I've I've loved Robin White and other stuff, so I have to imagine that I just don't know why that that didn't work for me. Uh, also, the Sixth Sense I'm just remembering gave us the classic insult of cheese dick. Um, that's how <laughs> invested Bruce Willis was in that romance. So, um, anyway, all that to say, all right, let's go full spoilers for Unbreakable. So, my first question for you guys, not first time watching. 
was the reveal of Mr. Glass as the arch rival a surprise to you? I felt like rewatching this, I was like, it's obvious the whole way through. I don't, I don't think it was necessarily a surprise. Like it didn't catch me off guard, but I, I did think it was done in a really good fashion where it was like, there was a click moment where you're like, ah, the way he's describing this, it now makes sense. I get it. He's Mr. Glass. And we even elaborate on that. And it's not, it's not like um, overdone and it's not thrown in your face, but it's done to a point where you're like, ah, uh, yes, this totally makes sense in the scheme and tone of comic books. Um, I thought it was pretty cool. And I think that's kind of, I guess outside the stadium scene, but they're around a bunch of people. That's the, you know, kind of the only time we get um, those two characters in a room together alone. Um, and that lends to this. So I, I, I thought it was done well. It was kind of cool. Josh, what about you? Yeah, I was a uh, I was a little bit surprised by it, but I think that like Ethan's saying, there's some projection that like if you're paying attention, you're able to pick up on it. So I was like, oh, something's going on with him. I don't know what it is, but something's going on. Just the way then, that he continually yeah. mentions like all these disasters. He's like, yeah. it sure is weird that all these disasters are happening right around me all the time. <laughs> really weird i don't know yeah. guys i was like wow what um but i don't think like i said i don't think uh just like the superman stories where he's friends with, with lex Luthor, it's not it doesn't ruin that story to know that they become nemesis at the end mm-hmm. one of the things that i thought about at the end of this um i don't i can't think of a and like i'm not a big comic books guy so i'm maybe just missing but this concept of a superhero and a supervillain being on a arc and on opposite ends of that arc and like directly intertwined is kind of unspoken in all comic books. So you have like um, Batman, Batman and, and Joker, Joker. Yeah. or um, yeah, every superhero often has like their arch nemesis, which you see over and over again, but no one ever stops and goes, Oh, Superman, you can't fight the Joker. That's Batman's job. Uh, And the fact that Mr. Glass works backwards, he goes, I'm wounded and I'm also a mastermind villain who kills a lot of people. There must be the opposite of me out there. I have to find him. Uh, That concept to me was like super cool. And um, because of the interconnectedness of all of our comic book stories. We don't talk about like the direct relationship. The two of them, two people have often that I thought was like super cool in this, which is a way better way of doing villains. Like that's one of the reasons why we like the villains in the MCU that we like, because they're, they're a little bit more connected than like Mm -hmm. space bad guy. Like, Love Guardians of the Galaxy, but like Ronan isn't necessarily <laughs> the number one MCU villain that everyone keeps coming back to. So yeah. yeah, yeah. As long as we can avoid like Big Bloom and Big B Blue Beam and Sky. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> I think it. I think uh, it's an interesting uh, perspective from like a villain origin story too for Mister Glass because he has been able to do all of these, like commit all these heinous acts and crimes and kill all these people, but like. He's he he doesn't know like he doesn't get it like why why am I continuing to do this if there's nobody um kind of uh you know juxtaposing me or the complete opposite of me to try to stop me or to try to understand me or like you know so I 
I do think you can really peel that back and use that as like a really deep conversation to like a character or like a hero villain arc and origin stories and all of these things. But I just think it's done on a surface enough level that it doesn't interfere with the movie, but it's something that you could elaborate on. Let's talk a little bit about Samuel Jackson's character of Mr. Glass. Now, color is a huge theme in this movie, and that is one thing that continues through into Split and Mr. Glass. Um, David Dunn's like signature green poncho and kind of green tones, and then everything on Mr. Glass is purple. Um, Samuel Jackson is famously known for loving the color purple and like getting things changed over to purple. I couldn't find definitive proof if he picked that or if that was like written in the script. I'm pretty sure that M Knight wrote this movie having those two people in mind. So I wouldn't be surprised if he just said, all right, Mr. Glass, you're good. Your color's purple. I know that Samuel Jackson loves purple. Um, but it, like like the just the little flavors of the color of the envelope that he gets on his car um the color on his like clothes when he was a kid all that all that stuff i thought just like worked really well for me and and the colors of the people in the in like kind of that final scene right when he's in the train station we're getting people like in orange jumpsuits and red uh business suits and things like that that are like exceptionally stark and uh very high end colors uh is is a pretty good play on that yeah it definitely had a looks kind of like what a real life comic book would look like from that era where it's very color inspired but it's also like the bad guys wear this, the good guys wear this and stuff like that. So I think it's, I, I'm always a fan when you see stuff like that. I've only seen like a few minutes of Sin City because I'm waiting until I get to there. But like that movie, the stylistically of it, it's uh, it's pretty, pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. And, and they also like, this movie is also like kind of a meta commentary on comic book art in general. Yeah. Um, With the constant kind of commenting on the super villains eyes or kind of, mm-hmm. or yeah shown as different sizes and the the um classic physical features are used to to describe heroes and all that kind of stuff um did you guys buy bruce willis as being this physical unstop unbreakable man i'd say so yeah i i think that he did a good job of selling it and his like every man sort of personality where it's like how how would he know that he was invulnerable to a certain extent because like the uh, i mean imagine like you're just constantly as a kid or whatever if you're chopping an apple and then you scratch your hand or you almost do it and he's like oh that was close i could have really hurt myself there and just imagining like all of these things throughout life that he would have thought, oh, that was interesting that I didn't get hurt there. That's fascinating. And then kind of learning more stuff about it. I thought that that was... Um, I did love in the really beginning well when he goes to his HR and he's like, hey, have I ever <laughs> taken a sick day? Yeah. My wife was like, would you just not know if you've never taken a sick day? <laughs> like, That's so I, weird. I guess not if you don't if you never thought about it. But and there's the entire scene with him and his wife where where he's like, "Do you remember me ever <laughs> yeah. being sick? Tell me." Yeah. And it felt yeah. very much where it's like 
I feel like you should know this. I feel like yeah, you should at yeah. least be clued in to the last time you got a cold, man. <laughs> but yeah. on the same on the same side though, if you've never got a cold and you just kind of thought that maybe that's what yeah. life was until someone was like, "Wait, you've never gotten a cold?" and he's like, "Oh yeah, I've never like yeah." yeah. The more I thought about it, the more it made sense. But on first blush, I was like, wow, that is a really strange question. Yeah, it's a large also, pill I to swallow. That, <laughs> I love that like HR gal yeah. where she's like, he's not in. Please begin question now. And she's just like dictating on her notepad. I thought that was all great. Yeah. M. Night does a really good job of like fleshing out the world and making these side characters feel like real people. Like, there's a babysitter that's in one scene and yeah. as well as a deleted scene, but she has so much personality. Yeah. <laughs> like, whoa. I love that. When <laughs> she was great. like, you didn't tell me you were moving to New York. And I was like, damn, she's hurt, man. She And then, yeah. then she realizes that they were moving together. <laughs> yeah. And then she's like, and oh, it's raining. Great. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I do think that Bruce Willis is believable as this like unbreakable type figure. You like Josh, you said his like everyday, like he's the everyday man. I think that's in, I mean, that's done very purposefully. That's done um, very much to attribute to the fact of like, a hero origin story can be for anybody and you don't know it. And it could be for your neighbor or yourself or like whoever. Um, and I do think that they use that, or I think the movie uses that to its benefit to really kind of dig another level and talk about like the trauma of having a, a quote unquote, like a power or a responsibility like this, even when you don't know you have it, of uh, you know, the car accident, like choosing to pretend that you're hurt and choosing to not not believe reality in this situation uh i think is done pretty well so yeah i i like him as this role i think that that is the car accident scene and like the memory the memories of the car accident scene are where i started to get more frustrated with their romance because he gave up football and presumably other things because he wanted to stay with this woman. Um, but I'm like, I don't buy it. Like, uh, yeah. I know it's been a while, 15 years or something they said, but uh, he just doesn't ever seem that remorseful. I did. I thought he, his relationship with the um, his son was cute and sweet. And I love the scene where um, he's trying to get Bruce Willis to go play football. And he's like, oh, I'm going to go work out. And the guy's like, I want to go work out with my dad. <laughs> I thought that was all cute, but uh, uh, most of the time I was kind of annoyed by the kid. That weightlifting scene, when I saw this movie in 2000, I would have been 13, 14, I don't remember. Um, that has like lived in my memory ever since then where they continually add on weights and then paint cans. I love that scene. I, I like that scene. I think that's one of the better scenes of the movie, honestly, because it really exemplifies this mysticism of like, he literally doesn't know what he's capable of or what he can do or how immune he is to things like, and um, the definitely the best part with the kid, Joseph as well, like constantly backing up little by little. And then like being in the closet at the very end, because <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah. he's not sure what's going to go down. Like, is he going to get so strong? He's just going to like send the bar flying or something or like Hulk out or like whatever. Um, so yeah, I, I think there's great camera work in that. And I do think it's, it's uh, like exemplifies this mysticism, which I think is where the movie shines. Like for me, yeah. 
that's the best part of the movie is him not knowing what he can do. As soon as he learns what he can do and like that's the reveal and we get the big train station scene and all this kind of stuff. I was like, ah, bummer. Like, uh, I get it yeah. now. Like that, that was kind of, I guess, and that's why I'm kind of sour to the end. I was just like, oh man, like that would have been so cool to just leave me on a fat cliffhanger of like, but what can he do? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that it shows that movies have learned since this that like we get a lot of joy by watching the people fuck about and try to learn how to do stuff like some of the best scenes and i think it's iron man one is when he's like chesting out the suit and he keeps flying into walls Mm -hmm. and stuff Mm -hmm. like that and like the time when he goes up too high and then his like boots have to like his system has to reboot and then his jets come back on and stuff like that that whole sequence is great and there's um what are, what are some other good examples of that? Like in Spider-Man 1, even, there's that sequence where he's like, go, Web, Shazam, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And he's trying to, like, get himself to do. So there's, those moments are really, really fun. And it's a moment of, like, wish fulfillment, too, for all of us that wish that we had superpowers. So it's mm-hmm. it's kind of cool to see stuff like that. And then the fact that it's only for pretty much one scene of the movie is definitely a bummer because they could have leaned into it a lot more. What's interesting about this is we've seen a lot of origin stories and we love origin stories, but this isn't an origin story. This is like, he's already been origined Mm -hmm. and he just didn't realize it. He's been living with it for his whole life. And then he's just like, Oh, so is he super strong because his bones are so dense? Like that he's technically unbreakable. Like is, does he have super strength? technically as well as being like unbreakable uh is that why he can lift the bar so like with so much weight well you'd think so but whenever like when he's we'll fighting that know. guy at the end <laughs> um he's like normal bruce willis pretty much at the yeah end. it's not like a one-shot kill kind right. of like situation that's why i ask because i'm like but on i don't know but also when he's uh, in the car wreck, when he's having the flashback to the car wreck, he does rip the door off of that. Right. He bends the metal and he rips the entire door off. So I'm like, cool, he's super strong. But then he like tries <laughs> yeah. to inca- incapacitate this guy and he gets thrown into the wall like 17 <laughs> times. So I don't know. To be fair, that other guy was pretty strong too. But um, Yeah, he looks pretty big. <laughs> uh, it's not exactly clear to me, but I assume that when he goes into that warehouse, that's like where the train wreck uh, wreckage is because mm-hmm. i thought at first i was like is he looking at the wreckage of his car from 18 years ago like mm-hmm. that can't be right they wouldn't <laughs> just keep that sitting around in a warehouse but then i was like oh it must be the train wreck and he's just thinking about the car wreck yeah okay yeah uh let's I talk about like the ending the... oh sorry i was just gonna say i did really like that we didn't see the train wreck or anything related yes. to it like yes the fact that the trailer shows that i'm like okay i get it you set in the mood but it was so cool going from like he's just on the train to like bam mm-hmm. you're you're fucking invulnerable what's wrong with you like it's it's such smart great. filmmaking too because m night probably saved fucking 10 million dollars exactly, now i'm gonna show yeah. a, a oh, train yeah. wreck and he just used the yes. miniature model on the news channel win-win for everybody <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i mean if you look at like uh jj abrams when he made like super eight he spent so much money trying to get everything to be like exact and it's like well (laughs) you know he could have saved a little bit of money and just saying just saying m M night's definitely uh really good at doing stuff so another another thing i meant to look up and i forgot and maybe josh you know this 
So M Night loves Philadelphia. Everything's always said in Philadelphia. Is the church that the funeral slash memorial takes place is that the same church as the church in Sixth Sense when where that kid is hiding? Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't think it's the same church. Okay, because it was like such an iconic looking church building. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where he finds the note mm-hmm. under his windshield. He's kind of standing in front of this like gorgeous cathedral. Um, yeah, M Night loves Philadelphia. There, uh, a lot of his movies are set in Philadelphia, and his like that TV show he worked on was set in Philadelphia. Um, he loves that town. Uh, okay, let's talk about the ending. So. Bruce Willis decides to take on the mantle of being the unbreakable superhero. Um, I'm Mr. Unbreakable. (laughs) Goes into a, uh, puts on a a poncho, goes into, well, first, actually, um, what did you guys think about his weakness of (laughs) he can't swim? Look, I get it from I get it from like a writing and a movie standpoint. I thought it was actually kind of kind of smart. Like the very first interaction he has on the train, he's like, "Ah, I've always been averse to water." And it's like, yeah. "Okay, cool. That yeah. that like that makes sense. I get it." That's like your your traumatic origin story. That's the closest he's ever been to death is when he almost drowned and like that would trigger him. I get that. The man just like flops around on a tarp on top of the pool. And he's yeah. like, he like starts gargling on some water. He's like, Bleh! he's like, I'm like, oh, he's he's done, man. He got thrown over the balcony and he's toast, just like that. Yeah. To be fair, though, I think anybody would have died if they had fallen in that, like, <laughs> on a in a dark in a rainstorm pool on a tarp, and you just sink into the middle. I'm like, well, yeah. this isn't just like, oh, it's his weakness. It's also like anybody would be toast <laughs> if they fell in there. Yeah, and then I was like having all these thoughts too where if water goes down the wrong pipe does he just like instantly die or like yeah <laughs> the instant yeah. kill <laughs> yeah. yeah my wife was like does he just lose his strength when he gets wet and i was like no he just can't swim That's <laughs> so if he's he, if he learned how to swim he'd be <laughs> practically unkillable uh have you guys seen signs both of you no uh, uh i think i saw it when i was like eight years old man long, long time dang. ago all right, this comments I can't even say <laughs> it's even like valid. spoilers for signs and don't spoil uh, signs, man. Come on, all right, go watch signs and then <laughs> get back to me. All right. Um, so you, can I say real quick? So you like mentioned that scene where he flops into the pool, but he's saved by the kids, which I uh-huh. thought was I thought was pretty cool. Um, but then he goes and he and he unties the wife who is dead, which I thought was yeah uh kind of interesting i was like what the hell like what do like she just flops over and i was like oh that's a bummer i don't know i thought that scene was kind of interesting it felt like we got multiple endings to this movie too like that that could have been like one we had the train station and like other things you know josh you have the dvd you could tell us what sort of special features (laughs) and flavors there are um i thought that that whole end seemed like especially depraved with the fact that this like guy no explanation is given, but he's just like a psychopath killer. And we see him just like spitting beer on this dead woman. Um, yeah. yeah. No reason, no explanation there. Just bad guy doing bad stuff. We got to yeah, kill him. I don't know why he didn't, M. Night didn't go with like something a little bit more simple than like just, just extremely traumatic situation <laughs> all of a sudden. Like, yeah. Normally it's, People are going, oh, I'm a superhero now. I'm going to stop this this convenience store robbery. Yeah. Or robbery. Or, yeah. yeah. 
Um, at <laughs> the end, purse got taken. Yeah, at the end, um, you know, Mr. Glass t- breaks down the types of supervillains. You have this, the brawn, like big, strong guy who just does smashing things. And then you have the brains, who is usually like the arch nemesis. And then he's like, that's me. I'm your arch nemesis. I'm the brains. Um, so it would have been, I think, fitting if it had been like a super strong guy who is robbing a bunch of places or like they could have, they could have just shorthanded like this strong man does a bunch of bad stuff. Go stop him. But it was just like weird sociopath killer housebreaker guy. I was like, this is creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. And they spent like as much time on that as (laughs) that would have been a lot better spent. Like, with just explaining big strong man and our rewrite and then yeah. have Bruce Willis go fight big strong man. And then big strong man is uh, being puppeteered. And then you're like, Ooh, that would have been great. But no. yeah. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been a cool ending is if you find out that Mr. Glass, like tricked big strong man into doing bad stuff so that David Dunn would go fight him. That would have sure. been a cool ending. Yeah. Anything been, other um... than ending on fucking text to explain what <laughs> happens. That was the other thing was I was like, we don't so need these mad. two sentences. No. This isn't a true story. It's, it's so such mad. a weird tonal shift to be yes. like, everything you've seen is a documentary. It's like, yeah. no, it was not. <laughs> And it, it's super strange. Um, That's the big twist of the movie, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it's still so listening, is that it's a documentary. <laughs> that one got me. I'll be honest. M Night really, really pulled me on that one. I didn't know Philly was known for this kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I we've seen so like, few. Interviews. I wouldn't have cared like... either way to find out that oh, he got arrested or he didn't get arrested. Like M Night is sometimes like just the 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 product of his own, like he, he puts himself in his own corner because he starts the movie with text. And I guarantee he was like, we have to finish with text. Like it has to be a full circle. We have to explain things. And it's like, you could have, you could have just done like a million other things that would have been pretty, pretty cool. Um, mm-hmm. Can do, I don't know, Kendrick, what you uh, have, have next, but I was curious, can we talk about the train station scene for a second? When he, sure, sure. so when he like touches people he can see their crimes, right? He's This is kind of like a minority report, like premonition type situation where he can like see what they've done. I Well, it's not a premonition. I think it's like past monition. What's the opposite of premonition? Right, yeah, no. Like you're not, you're not a precog, you're a postcog. <laughs> you're a postcog. Um, so you can see all the bad that somebody has done, which leads him to this murder because he has seen them. But like- he decides to take on his powers and he decides like Mr. Glass is like, go where the people are. You'll know what to do. It's like, okay, that's really ominous and strange first off. And then he goes and then he touches all these people. And like, as he's doing this, does he just decide like that stealing a a necklace is not enough. Like that's not enough to warrant me chasing you. Like, uh, like this wasn't good enough. Like almost raping somebody, not good enough. I'm going to wait for the murderer. Like, I don't understand his delineation process here. Um, I think this is a part of the breakdown is, uh, why superhero movies have all these details because you need to know the details. He, he wasn't interested in doing like a full, full on superhero movie. He wanted to tell like a movie about this struggle. Mm-hmm. And when you started getting into the superhero elements, then you're start, then you're like, but wait, what is his power? Does he just show anything bad anybody's ever done? Because then he also he knows that guy in the line has the gun. That's not a bad thing he's he's done. He's just carrying a gun. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like very vague on the whole 
um, reading people's mind thing. But I guess my only excuse there is uh, he's seeing stuff that people did incidentally. So it's not as though he could follow that rapist back somewhere as he's raping another person. It was like, oh, I he raped someone in the past, but he's probably not off to rape another person. Mm. Um, which is like a harder thing to just like go of a showdown. He just walk up to him and be like, yo, <laughs> sir, I have to arrest you now. Like, I don't know. Um, or like the mom beating her kid or, or whatever that kind of quick, quick blip is. Um, that was my only explanation as to why he picked the person he picked is because he wanted to like stop someone who's actively doing something. That's fair. Uh, but it's like the whole, it breaks down because you don't know what the details are and also that's another thing if he's gone his whole life say he's like in his mid-30s without realizing he's unique does he never wonder why every time he touches someone he gets a bunch of flashes (laughs) yeah i feel like that would have crossed my mind before now i think that that might be a bad way to visually represent what he's seen like i think that that's pretty much m night's shorthand and we're not seeing what he's actually seeing. He's just uh, communicating it because yeah, that's kind of what I got. I also think that the, uh, like we can obviously complain about the, the lack of explanation and random additions of superpowers throughout it. But I think the fact that it's so based on Superman um, where they would like constantly give him new superpowers, like when he was first introduced just to, be like wow yeah he's had heat vision this whole time i think that this movie kind of does that partially as an homage to it mm-hmm. it's not totally excusable but i'm just saying like that's where it's coming from so mm-hmm. um but yeah i totally agree the superhero stuff not handled nearly as well as the interpersonal stuff and or the personal i guess you are right though he even <laughs> he even describes it himself as like a feeling not as though and it, but he does have some visualizations because he talks about seeing the gun in the waistband but yeah. um, uh, just the like spinning around in the train station scene definitely um, evokes this like, you know, minority port esque. I can I can see all the crimes people are committing. Um, wh- let's talk for a second about uh, the, the scene where Samuel L. Jackson uh, chases after that guy with the gun. <laughs> That's another scene that has stuck in my brain for the last 20 years. Uh, falling down the stairs in the most horrific way possible after having just described how brittle his bones are. Oh man. I like, yeah, that sequence was turn. so intense. Yeah. Yeah. You, you gotta have a scene like that to represent like how, just how selfish Mr. Glass is at his core. Right. He, he knows he's breakable he knows he'll, he'll fall down this set of stairs, but he wants to understand um that his power is like so much that he is willing to sacrifice that um really important scene for sure and i love the cane the cane breaking yeah. was sick yeah apparently the cane trivia, was his uh his idea yeah oh that was samuel jackson's idea according to imdb trivia well which... let's get samuel jackson to co-write the next the next reboot of this movie and i think we'll be <laughs> in better grounds but yeah, yeah the pretty good unbreakable mr glass spinoff i'm sure that <laughs> None of those actors are probably looking to do anything <laughs> anytime soon. Yeah. Um, 
I was gonna say something and then I completely spaced on what it was. Can, can I um, say? Can I say one more scene if you're trying to think go about it, it, Josh? Go for it. Yeah. Uh, I just feel like it's important because I feel like it's designed to be important. It didn't really uh, stick with me a whole ton. I get it. I get its importance. Um, when Joseph, the son. Uh, just whips a pistol on both of them and is like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna shoot you, and you're unbreakable." <laughs> and and David Don Bruce Willis's character is like, "I'm gonna get seriously hurt if you if you shoot me, I will probably die, and I'm not coming back." Um, I get what was trying to be conveyed there, but I was like, "Wow, this is a pretty intense step for this kid just to pull a gun on his dad instead of being like, "Wow, you can lift so much weight. Let's like." test to see if i can break your forearm like let's arm wrestle or something like no let me just pull a gun on you instead yeah i don't know that was that scene in like standalone super intense and i thought everybody in the scene responded very well like i love bruce willis being like Mm -hmm. he doesn't know where the bullets are it's not loaded and then the kid being like, no, I know exactly where the bullets are. And then them all being like, oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like, shit, um, you knew. <laughs> uh, and you you see the gun earlier in the movie, so you can kind of tell that it's like going to come up later. Um, in the scene, yes, yeah, super intense. And actually another IMDb trivia that, you know, you neither here nor there can be explained is uh, some of the cast were like, or some of the crew were too emotionally moved they had to like step away from that from filming that scene because it was so intense um wow i know that like americans relationships to guns have changed a little bit since then i don't i can't speak for the pop culture of 2000 um this movie would have been made pre-9-11 i don't remember when in the year it came out well yeah definitely 2000 would have been pre-9-11 but um so like a lot has changed pop culture wise since then especially around guns uh but you're right. It seems unnecessarily intense for a way to prove that the kid um, like believes in his dad so much. And this kind of goes back to my main complaint with the family dynamic is the text is there. Like Robin Wright really wants this relationship to work. And she's like, let's go on a date. And the kid like really wants to believe in his dad. And he's like, I'm going to just drop everything and I'm going to be like you. I'm going to get in a fight at school. I'm going to do all this stuff trying to be like you. That scene where he breaks down because he's not unbreakable and he's like, I'm not, I thought I was like you. And Mm -hmm. that scene like was really moving. I thought, Um, but I just never bought any of that, uh, any of the chemistry there. And I don't know why, but yeah, I think definitely could have been, a better escalation of we're going to try different ways to hurt you. Not straight to, I'm going to shoot you at the breakfast table. (laughs) The breakfast table. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that that kind of ties into what Ethan said earlier with like, we didn't get to see all the, the joy of him trying to figure out what he can do and what his limits are. And I think that that is kind of a pretty big escalation that, read very strange <laughs> yeah 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 for sure also why does bruce willis have a, like has he ever felt threatened so threatened in his life he needed a gun you would think that guy would have just like won every fight he's been in and not felt like a gun is necessary i don't know maybe maybe it's related to like the car crash thing right maybe he keeps a gun around to feel more normal 
to feel mm-hmm. like he's not unbreakable. Yeah, maybe. maybe he thinks like he has to default to something that an ordinary man would have in his closet. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Very curious. I There's so many layers. Like we can dig into this so deeply, but I don't think the movie warrants any of this, like any of that deep thematic like conversation, because I don't think it's trying to do that. I think it's just trying to, to say what it says, you know? <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Uh, Josh, you have anything else you want to bring up? I can't remember what thing I was trying to think of earlier, so it is gone to the ether. I'm good. <laughs> well, if you remember it later, you can... Time travel. Tell it to someone else. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. That works. <laughs> um, <clears throat> anything else you guys want to say about Bruce Willis's performance, specifically about this movie? This, this movie, uh, I... Um, let's see the last movie was the kid we did right before this and yeah. that movie I'm pretty sure he was wearing a wig uh, but this movie he's going full shaved head and I thought he was really channeling like the Jason Statham look here I think um, when he after he shaves his head in these like young Bruce Willis picks he he, he and Jason Statham share a lot of look, similar looks um, and I think like from here on out he's just rocking the shaved head and I thought it, I thought it looked really good yeah, totally. I think he's, uh, he's, yeah, <laughs> looks great in this movie. Um, and I thought that his performance was just really tremendous. There's a, I watched some of the deleted scenes for this and there's one where he's in like the shower, just crying and it's very moving. <laughs> I think that he was, uh, he really seemed to enjoy working with Shyamalan before and then gave it his all again this time around. And I think that in sixth sense, he's great. And I think he's great and unbreakable as well. Yeah. See, that's the kind of stuff they should have kept in. Cause mm-hmm. I wanted to see this like emotional moving stuff, not yeah. Bruce Willis being yeah. unbreakable. And the video but... that I watched too, it was like M night was introducing all of these scenes. And he's like, you know, I always struggle with like character or plot. And I guess, for this one, plot one out. And I'm like, yeah. no, no, never. You made the plot wrong should choice. never win out. Oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> Not in this. It's like if you're telling a if the plot is like a pretty basic superhero story. But it's the, like the really interesting story in the book. <laughs> yeah. But the really interesting stuff is the character work. It's like, do you not invest in the plot over the characters? If you have a choice between one or the others, you should mm-hmm. be doing the other way around. So, yeah, it, it was a bummer. And there was like a few other uh character sequences that were cut out too and it's just like oh no um i do agree what he was saying in those like the pacing would get kind of wonky with some of them but i think that this movie if it had more of those personal scenes and if the ending was more more um exciting i think would really help like that last battle that he has is kind of just bad and if it was a lot better I I think that that would be, um, it would really help elevate the whole movie as a whole. So, I don't think it's a spoiler to say this, and Ethan, you've already seen Glass, um, but Glass Glass starts with, um, you know, Glass came out in 2018, I think, and mm-hmm. so it's a huge time jump, and basically it kind of shows you that over the last 18 years he has been kind of fighting crimes and kind of like a vigilante, undercover doing, fighting the crimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the direction we want to believe him to go towards, but 
we've just seen so many better origin stories of like, all right, I'm a superhero. I'm going to start fighting the bad guys. Here I am. I'm going to start fighting the bad guys. And like this, just the ending of this movie was like so haphazard. And you just kind of like, if there hadn't been a kid there with a pool uh, rod, he would have died. Like <laughs> that seems like a flaw. Um, yeah. But yeah, I still had a great time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ethan, any final thoughts yeah. before we move on? Yeah. I mean, I, I think a lot of what's already been said, Bruce just shines the most when it's, when it's interpersonal work and when it's deeply character driven, uh, especially like his first encounter with Mr. Glass with his son with him telling his son to like, go dump out the water and just, just essentially saying like, you know, I've met, I've met guys like you, you're going to ask me for my credit card and like being this really mysterious, like kind of on edge person, I think is when he does it best. And then when he fights people or like goes into the train station, just like touches people. Like, I just don't, uh, I think he tries his best, but I don't think the script allows him to really focus on, on himself. So, um, yeah, I think I, I thought he was pretty good. And, um, yeah, from what I remember, glass was pretty dope. Uh, and so if I thought it was pretty dope, having not seen any of the other movies, I feel like, I feel like I kind of like it if I maybe watch it now, but yeah, that, that came out in January of 2019 and then split came out in, november of 2016 so uh fascinating to tell a 19 year story i Mm -hmm. guarantee you m night and whatever studio he was with was like just scraping the bottom of that cash barrel trying to figure out what what they can make next and it (laughs) was this and uh and yeah yeah, tough tough stuff but no i mean I i think it's a fun movie i i do think it is a movie where it's like you should watch this like you know like this is this is one of those kind of like pop culture movies where unbreakable, like people talk about it and Samuel Jackson, Bruce Willis, like it's, it's a movie that's, that's out there. It's pretty integral to like understanding history of movies, you know? Yeah, totally. I don't think um, it doesn't have the great quote, like um, with Sixth Sense, you know, I see dead people Mm -hmm. that this movie has that, that Sixth Sense has this, this movie does not have. And I think that um, like, was why it probably hasn't stuck around as long as it has because it was very popular back in the day it it just uh, we don't talk about it as much one thing we didn't really talk about and we can just briefly talk about this m night Shyamalan traditionally um even up to old which i think came out last year he often uses mental illness and or physical illness as like a um a plot device to cover up like a deeper issue. And I think it can often be problematic when you're like, Oh, they're not, um, you know, he has this like, uh, osteodegenerative disorder, but it made him a super villain or whatever. And, um, like one, once or twice I could be like, okay, well that's just coincidence, but it's very common in all of M night's movies Mm -hmm. where it's like bad guy has some certain mental disorder and that's what caused him to become a bad guy, or that's why he's a bad guy, or he's a bad guy through that mental disorder or, or physical disorder. Um, and this movie was probably the least problematic of his of his track record, but um, definitely like a trend of his that uh, you'd think the more like the fact that he was still kind of brought up in old which like i said came out last year or the year before 
still had a lot of like, oh, this guy's the bad guy because he has like a mental hang up. Um, tells me that he it's probably not something that he's like super concerned about writing around, but um, that not only is it, I think, a crutch, it's kind of like it does a disservice to people who really do suffer from some of these issues. So mm-hmm. hopefully it's something that we can see go away in his future writing. He's got a movie coming out 2023, Knock at the Cabin. It's supposed to have a pretty good cast. And so maybe you'll find out then. Who knows? Maybe. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. I'll watch it regardless. Um, I think I've seen every M. Night movie except uh, The Happening. Okay. You watched Avatar? I feel like... Oh, no, I did not watch Avatar. <laughs> okay. you, you've seen uh, After Earth? Come on. Yeah. Wolf. I've seen I After Earth. Wolf. Yeah. Yep. Um, I feel like I dodged Wolf some indeed. bullets there. <laughs> I think uh, I think the happening I would just hate watch sometime like get a bottle of cheap wine and just watch by myself. Um, Mark Wahlberg yeah. is in that movie. Zoe yeah. Deschanel, John Leguizamo. What are we doing? That's incredible. Josh, have you seen the happening? No. Wow. Well, Jeremy Strong. Oh, have- wine. Wow. Jeremy Strong is in that movie, guys. I'm a huge Jeremy Strong fan. So, uh, Kendrick, <laughs> if you're getting a bottle of wine, I will come to your place and hate watch it with you just right. so I can see Jeremy Strong be in another film. Love it. I've heard it's so <laughs> bad, though. Oh, yeah. I'm sure it's terrible. Um, <laughs> Josh, have you seen any other M. Night movies? So you, didn't have, you hadn't seen Sixth Sense before you watched it. You hadn't seen this before you watched it. I had only seen After Earth. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so I was like... Well, we'll see how this After Earth director does with the Sixth Sense. And then I watched that and I was like, this is fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a reason he got like a blank check for a little while. Um, yeah. And then his like career is super, super fascinating. He was super popular, then really tanked, and then basically had to restart his career on his own. He had to self-fund some movies and they were super low budget. And it was like... If I don't make my money back, or we don't have a home, um, he did a he did like a found footage movie. I don't remember what it was called, The Visit, I think, about like kids visiting their grandma. Um, that was like super low budget, kind of him, kind of returning to the to the craft. Um, so yeah, he's a fun director. Um, all right, moving on. Uh, Josh, Box how good did this movie do? Numeros. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this movie, just for just for reference, um, I'll compare it against The Sixth Sense because every single critic at the time did, and they're both directed by the same director, and they both star Bruce Willis. Um, so The Sixth Sense was made on a budget of forty million, and at the box office, it made six hundred and seventy-two point eight million. So it had a it it had a net of 632 million. Um, you said it cost 40 million, 40 million. Yeah. What is 40 million in today's dollars? Um, glad that oh. you asked. So 40 million in today's dollars <laughs> is 62.8 million. Um, so not, not as low budget as I would have thought for what this movie is, but Dang. for the um, six, that's for the six cents. Oh, oh sorry. Sorry. Yeah. sorry six and cents. it made a billion dollars at the box office in today's money. Um, and then the, so the unbreakable, had a budget of $75 million. Wow. So almost double the six cents. Jeez. Can you say what and, that is in today's dollars? Uh, yeah, that's a hundred and <laughs> it's about a hundred and four, 
15 million, yeah. Oh my god. Robert Eggers yeah. just came out with The Northman, which was like a Viking epic for 90 million dollars and people were like, that's so much fucking money. Yeah. This movie does not look like that. Wow. I'm I'm flabbergasted right now. That's yeah. insane. I think I wonder the sixth though... sense does a better job with its money and like Yeah, sure. and I wonder um if the money is uh, to the cast, yeah. like Samuel Jackson, Robin Wright, and Bruce Willis probably take up more than half that money. Yeah. Um, that. Well, and the other thing, too, is that there is apparently a pretty big sequence that got cut out that was part of um, Mr. Glass's backstory about him as a kid go- getting on a carnival ride. And, like, he puts pillows all around him, but then the pillows fly out and he hits oh, the walls of, like, this teacup oh ride or whatever geez. and breaks all of his bones. It's kind of traumatic but the deleted <laughs> scenes are um great but they had to cut it because it just didn't fit and there was a bunch of unbroke or broken shots and m night was like no it can't have that because he's committed to the bit um because <laughs> they have to be unbroken shots they have to be unbroken shots yeah um but yeah so the this movie like i said 75 million dollars um or 114 million in today's dollars and then it made back 248 million dollars so uh a net of 173 million instead of a net of 632 million so just to show how much worse this movie did than the sixth sense because the sixth sense just blew it away and then you get unbreakable and it's a i don't know it's weird it's not like it's a smaller story but in some ways it kind of is um, cause it's just so much about the personal journey of David and it's, yeah, it just it's not a well. scary story and it's not really an action story. It's like a weird genre movie without yeah. a genre to fall into. It's very strange. Um, I think it was probably, you can probably mark the, uh, fall of M night's career by starting to see like how, he's struggling to fit his stories into genres hmm. and um that's it they just don't don't make much money that's really bad business too considering it was released on thanksgiving day weekend when you would expect huge swaths of people to go to the movie Ooh. theater in 2000 nonetheless like the box office it's it's i mean it's obviously it's not as big as it is now but it's like it's booming like people want to go see movies m night's in like the height of his career like that's that's terrible business that's very very bad yeah it's too bad yeah it did not make as much money as anybody was hoping for and apparently m night had disagreements with the studio on advertising as well um yeah because apparently he wanted it to be advertised more like a superhero movie and less like a uh like i don't know what sixth sense would be considered a thriller Thriller. yeah uh i just looked it up this movie was 23rd for domestic box office that year with number one being How the Grinch Stole Christmas, if that tells you anything. Let's go. Um, <laughs> which would have opened days before Unbreakable. God. But also this year, we had Mission Impossible 2 and The Gladiator and Perfect Storm and X-Men. Hmm. Ah. That's pretty That's pretty interesting. I think the Mission Impossible 2 is very interesting, considering that is a a secondary like a, a follow-up right i know it's part of like a tr- like a an ip or a franchise or whatever but it's like a follow-up to like a an established director story or whatever and this is kind of like m night's follow-up to to the sixth sense and just doesn't doesn't do it 
the nutty professor too. the clumps made more movie money than this movie (laughs) oh yeah no (laughs) also gone with gone in 60 seconds uh scream three me myself and irene oh no (laughs) (laughs) um tough i am i am glad to see that other bruce willis movies did not make more so the kid made less money and the whole nine yards made less money good (laughs) good oh man yeah. what a year There's three movies at least they at least the, my favorite it came out on top um uh okay let's talk about the star trek connection now this is a uh i was thinking about this earlier today josh i don't know why we do this it's like a tradition that got started and now it's our tradition mm-hmm. um but Ethan, what we do is we try to connect every movie, cast or crew, to a Star Trek piece of work. Uh, do you have history with Star Trek? Are you a Star Trek fan at all? Uh, no, I'm not your guy. I have zero history with Star Trek, and I could not help you in this quest. I hate to say, oh. so I'm here for moral <laughs> support if that if that helps you. Um, but I'm not going to be able to connect anything for you. <laughs> well, I uh, in our darkest time, in our darkest days, in the darkest timeline, we had to go to. I don't even remember his name, a cellist whose work is found in almost every every work ever. Oh, are you um, talking about the oboist? Yeah, sorry, the oboist. Yes. What the fuck is his name? So we we are not we haven't sunk to that level. Um it turns out that if you want to connect two pieces of work in Hollywood, it is possible to do that on almost everything. Uh we decided to do this and stop when we when we have to stop. The um connection is pretty thin for this uh episode oh you already found a connection so i don't have to help you find a connection no no no, oh god i thought okay i thought i was gonna (laughs) let you guys down for a second i was really worried (laughs) no that would be that would be a fool's quest no we have we have alan apone apony uh he is a sound engineer he was um i'm sorry he was a makeup engineer makeup artist he was the personal makeup artist for Samuel L. Jackson in Unbreakable. And he also did makeup for the uh, Enterprise TV show and Josh's favorite Star Trek movie, Star Trek Nemesis. Oh, good. My favorite one. <laughs> yeah. Well, with the clone of Picard. Yep. Yep. Uh, so Ugh. that is our Star Trek connection. Now uh, we're going to rank this movie with other with the other bruce willis movies we've seen this is our 33rd bruce willis movie ethan before we do that uh do you have a favorite bruce willis movie uh so here's the thing here's my history with bruce willis so i've seen die hard and i've seen pulp fiction thank god i'm not coming on here totally uh bruce willis blind um i've seen the story of us but that was probably like 15 years ago um Eric Clapton does that soundtrack and my family is huge Eric Clapton fan. So uh, we would listen to that all the time. And I was like, I, I guess I got to watch this movie when I'm 12 years old, and figure out where it's from. Uh, so I've seen that movie. I can't tell you anything about Bruce Willis or that movie or anything regarding that. Um, and I know for a fact that I've seen surrogates. I know I've seen surrogates. Okay. And I okay. think when I saw it, I was like, this movie slaps, but I, I could be wrong. And I'm sure if I watch it now, I could, <laughs> I probably wouldn't agree. So I've seen four Bruce Willis movies. Um, nice. Not very well versed, considering two of them are the most popular Bruce Willis movies of mm-hmm. all time. <laughs> I, I hate wait. To so you haven't seen The Sixth Sense? No. I. I, I mean, I, I. Maybe I've seen it when I was a kid. I mean, the pop culture around The Sixth Sense makes me think that I've seen it, right? But I yeah. know 
I cannot recall a single scene or a quote or a, a theme or a tone. I, I know nothing about that movie. So probably yeah. not is my answer. So, so Josh had also not seen it before we watched it last summer for the podcast. Yeah. And I was like, how have you not been <laughs> spoiled for this movie? You have to know how it's going to end. And he still was blown away by Are the ending. Serious? So yep. wow. still, I would definitely recommend worth watching. I think the uh, Sixth really, Sense and 12 Monkeys are really worth it. Yeah, if you like sci-fi or thrillers. I was going to say is... Uh, Go watch 12 Monkeys. 12 Monkeys. Go watch Sixth Sense. And go watch uh, Fifth Element, I guess. That's the other big bang. I knew that Kendrick was going to recommend that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fifth Element, man. That holds a place in my heart. Will always hold a place in my heart. But 12 Monkeys, I said this when we did that episode. 12 Monkeys could be a, that movie alone could be like a, a collegiate class. Like you could just have one whole class just devoted to that movie. Um, it, is it's pretty amazing yeah amazing all right gotta put it on my watch uh, josh list. yeah yeah josh where would you rank this movie unbreakable um so i'm not gonna beat around the bush at all and i do have a lot of problems with this movie as we've already established but i feel like i'm being an annoying nitpick with some of the problems um i think that the emotional core of bruce willis's character journey is really great and so I'm actually going to put it at number five, just below Die Hard and just above Hudson Hawk. Nice. I, um, you're actually going to rank it higher than me. Interestingly enough, I thought I was going to be the the pure the big fave here, but I am going to put it at number nine, nice. um, just above Die Hard two and right below In Country. Um, it's the th- ranked number three in the. Samuel Jackson, Bruce Willing pairings between Pulp Fiction, Diary of the Vengeance, and then, and then Unbreakable for me. <laughs> um, I don't think they worked together again after this, if I'm not mistaken. Glass. Uh, oh, right. Yeah, of course. Glass. <laughs> don't forget um, Glass. <laughs> don't forget Glass. All right. Well, now comes the most important part of this episode. The most exciting part of this episode. Josh, have you dusted off the uh, your website? Yeah, thanks. Just did. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, now, uh, have you? Can you use your keyboard and go to the Wheel of Willis? I already have it pulled up. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, thanks for ruining this bit of mine. Uh, so we are going to spin the Wheel of Willis mm. and see what treats it it brings us uh even we took a break from bruce willis movies we did uh some other classic 90s movies but we did not spin the wheel of willis when we did those movies and it was our biggest uh regret we missed bruce willis and the wheel of willis from the non-bruce willis movies and now i've said willis too many times (laughs) the word has lost its meaning joshua Every time we spin the wheel of Willis, we say the same thing. We say, Whisk that wheel! And it has been whisked. Okay. If you were this Bruce Willis's character's mom, would you be proud? And that was sent in by Hannah. So thank you, Hannah. Uh, let's start with you, Ethan. If you were this Bruce Willis's character's mom, would you be proud? 
Oh man. If I was his mom. Um yeah, you know, I think I think at the end of the day I would be proud, but it would be more of a situation of like I'm so proud of you. You finally did it. You finally figured out you you little problem solver <laughs> you. You nailed it. Of like, you know, like you should have figured this out 20 years ago kind of a thing, but <laughs> your tenacity you really stuck with it guy so um yeah I'd probably, you know I'd, I'd probably be proud in the end i guess is what i would say but it but it's like it's you know it comes with a lot of asterisks <laughs> yeah josh what about you uh yeah i i would be i'd be proud of my boy proud of my boy <laughs> uh, if not if, n- if for nothing else than the fact that he uh shaved his head for this um <laughs> You know, <laughs> proud of him embracing his inner uh, I would be bummed that uh, he gave up that football career that probably mm. would have landed me in like a sweet retirement home mm. as his mom. True. But otherwise, they'd probably be pretty proud of him. Aren't like moms notoriously against their kids playing football? Like nowadays, know. but not back in the 90s. Oh, true. Or, the, or 70s, I guess it would have been. Back before we knew that you could get <laughs> like bad injuries from football. Yeah. Except unless you're Bruce Willis. Yeah, it's true. true. It's true. <laughs> All right. Thank you for listening to Where There's a Willis, There's a Way. You can follow us at Willis Waypod on Twitter. You can email us at WillisWaypod at gmail.com. And you can find our episodes on Apple Podcasts or wherever podcasts are found. And once again, wanted to throw out a thank you to Ethan for coming on the show. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks guys for having me. I was uh, this is really exciting and a really really fun time talking about Bruce Willis. Honestly, that was great. Yay! <laughs> I'm glad we got to share the love. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I uh, once Kendrick told me who we were having on, I was like, oh, I got to go listen to some of these. So yeah, um, we'll plug our stuff, but we're also going to give you a chance to follow Ethan as well. He runs a couple of different podcasts, and I listened to the Marvel one few episodes and i was like hey this guy's uh got some good stuff so yeah you can catch him over there but you could find me on twitter at joshing carter and you can find me on twitter at k martinix that's k-m-a-r-t-i-n-i-x or kmartinx.com ethan where can people find you on the internet? Yeah, um, I my personal is at Ethan Simi. I just uh, actually published my first movie review for The Northman, uh, which is very exciting on uh, Agents of Fandom website. So follow me on Twitter. Go check that out. Um, like Josh said, my podcast is called 15 Minutes of Marvel. I'm at 15 Minute Marvel on Twitter every Wednesday and Friday. The latest in Marvel uh, news, reviews, and rumors in what I try to be 15 minutes, uh, keep it nice and bite size. And then 24 minutes of a 24. We're on Twitter as well at 24 minutes of a 24. Every single week we review a new movie produced by a 24. And again, we try to do it in 24 minutes and it never happens because they're such good movies, but you know, we try our hardest, uh, Ben, my co-host and I, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in the podcast world. I'm in the movie world. Go follow me and, and check all that out. I like your commitment to time themed <laughs> podcast names. That's a that's a good brand. Yeah, man. You gotta you know, you gotta stick with the bit. Like you said, you just gotta you just gotta go for it. And I don't think we've ever had a, uh, an episode under twenty four minutes, but it doesn't even matter at this point. <laughs> we'll cover yeah. it in twenty four minutes or longer, and that's yeah. our guarantee. <laughs> exactly. There you go. That's our new tagline. <laughs> yep. That's uh, great. all right. Every episode we like to end the episode with 
um, something we call the the sweet treat, which is just a little something we want to plug, we want to recommend. It's not doesn't have to be Bruce Willis related. Um, so Ethan, what do you have for us today? Uh, yeah, so my sweet treat is going to actually remain movie related. Like I said, movies kind of dominate my life. Um, so I'm going to say if you feel safe and if you have the time, please go to a movie theater, local or chain, and go watch a movie. There are five original movies in movie theaters right now that are non-Marvel, non-IP, non-franchise that you can go watch and uh, never have to think about again if you choose to. Um, but they are fantastic films. Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, The Northman, uh, The Lost City, and Ambulance. All incredible movies that are not tied to any franchise. Go support them because we need more original movies at the box office. We don't need more Marvel or IP or franchise. That is my sweet treat. Go do it if you feel safe. Obviously, if you don't feel safe, don't do it. But if you if you want, go for it. Excellent advice. I've been trying to get Josh to go see everything everywhere all It'll once. change your life, if Josh. I talk to him about it because it is so mind-bending. I cannot wait for that movie to come out on DVD so I could watch the behind the scenes. Mm. Uh, Josh, what is your sweet treat? Uh, my sweet treat is going to also be a movie, a recommendation, but I'm going to recommend one that you can't go see in theaters. Um, I'm going to recommend uh, watching Tick, Tick, Boom. I've been listening to the soundtrack for that recently, and um, it's great, and I want to watch it again. Um, but Andrew Garfield is just amazing in it, so go watch Tick, Tick, Boom on Netflix. When I watched that, I really wanted to watch Rent, and then I looked it up, and did you know that the farewell tour of Rent came to Eugene last fall? And... Uh... I was like, oh, man. That close. What, what a bummer. bummer. What a bummer. Tick, tick, boom. Great. That's a good I suggestion. It's a great movie. Andrew Garfield robbed of an Oscar. Yep. Yes. Yeah, yep. totally. Um, I wanted to pick something comic book themed for today mm, because uh, nice. we're talking about comic books. And so I picked the Saga comic books, um, which is a definitely an adult comic book series. It is not one for kids, but it is very... Uh, well-crafted um kind of surrealist science fiction uh people have described it as kind of like romeo and juliet meets lord of the rings meets like alien it's very hard to describe um but like i said it is very adult it's very graphic so not um you know for all the children we have listening uh, i wouldn't recommend but other <laughs> non-children uh, definitely go look it up. Super good. Uh, it took a hiatus for a while, and I think it's another issue's coming out soon after several years. Um, it's one of my favorite comic book series of all time. So that is Saga, the comic book series. Right on. Um, that is by nice. Brian K. Vaughn and illustrated by Fiona Staples. All right. Uh, next time, we're going to be covering the movie Bandits, which is actually filmed in Oregon, and I believe it's set in Oregon. I'm not sure, but I've never seen Bandits. Um, Josh, have you? I I have, but then I called the cops on them. So <laughs> I, <got laughs> I saw a raccoon, arrested. and I thought that was a bandit. Yeah. That was <laughs> Easy mistake to make. Um, yeah. yeah, predictions for that one. There's going to be a raccoon in it. Um, <laughs> and I think there's Bruce... going to be a uh, neckerchief or whatever you call uh, a kerchief. Oh, a kerchief. Face. Yeah. And then I'm also going to guess that at one point, Bruce Willis is going to go, well, looks like we're getting the bandits back together. And then that's going to be a line of the Those are my predictions. Dude. The big zoom in right on his face. As he <laughs> yeah. it. The, like the Just like a total, like, 
whip pan and then <laughs> slam zoom. You're fine. All right. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Have Thank you. See you later. Again.